Now Boo driving. Makes a move inside, left hand. Can't get a shot up. He's got Kayat on him. Bounces back, back to, to Mullins. He kicks it out to Bowie. Deep three. For the record, there it is! Number zero becomes number one. Boo Bowie becomes the leading scorer in Northwestern Wildcat history. Hey there, we're the Westlop Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Skoskowspo. Well guys, um, history was made. Uh, we were all there to see it. Uh, I mean, there's really no beating around the bush here. I mean, it, this is all about Boo Booey and the new career points leader in Northwestern basketball history. It was awesome. I mean, we all knew kind of coming in, you heard it right off the top there. Uh, we kind of splice cut Mr. Cat, Dave Ennett, and WNUR sports director, Bria Lasek, uh, two awesome radio calls of the moment. Um, that is, we'll get to it later, but that that's two people that we talked to before the game. Um, and this was the kind of a uh, game that obviously everyone knew it was going to be a big moment going in. And yeah, I mean, I, it, it's funny because you, multiple people, um, not least Boo Booey himself <laughs> after the game, but like we're making Caitlin Clark comparisons. One, be- obviously because of the shot Boo hit to, to break the record, but also, and we were talking a little bit about this before the game. I think, you know, when Clark, set the the NCAA record the game before Iowa lost that game and Iowa lost that game in no small part on the road at Nebraska because they were very tight and very thinking about the record and I think pregame some of the chatter was the good thing he's got five points and not let's say 15 points to go right because this is going an enormous moment and everyone knew it was an enormous moment and then the question is how does it affect the team and it affected the team. Oh, yeah. Early, early on, they were tight. You could tell. Uh, Boo got that opening bucket. We were we were thinking, great. But then, obviously, the team was tight. They were tightening up. Michigan couldn't miss. Um, but then, yeah, Boo stepped back. And, and again, appropriately from Caitlin Clark Range, as he himself said, uh, let the place on fire. And, uh, yeah, I got that massive record and, of course, flipped the whole game, too. It's it's funny because it the the moment where he hit the three was not the biggest ovation in the no, building it uh, that night. It, it was it was when he when he had a sick assist to uh, was it Martinelli later yeah. on in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but this was I mean it was the Boo Show. Uh, like he you know Langboard poured in more points. Barnheiser had more points, but um, Boo was electric in this game. He was really good in this game from start to finish. Uh, he was all over the court. And yeah, once, once they broke through, uh, with his five points, it just, the team just got on a, on a heater on a, they were a steamroller and it was this being my first time watching Boo Booey play in person. My first time being at the new Welsh Ryan with the new Welsh Ryan atmosphere. It was, um, just an incredible night. It was so much fun in so many, in, in like a thousand different ways that I can't even begin to describe on the podcast. Cause it'd take us forever in a day, but I just, the energy in the building, 
is something that um, I've not felt before at Welsh Ryan. Uh, cer- certainly not that intense on Northwestern. John, you made a you made a pretty funny tweet. I thought um, during the course of of the week or of the weekend, I should say. Like, when have any of us ever been at a Northwestern Michigan sporting event, and the Michigan fans are like barely noticeable? That's but that's that that to me really encapsulated what it felt like to be there on uh, Thursday night. Yeah, I mean there there were pl- there were a bunch of people in you know yellow and blue for sure, but like it was it was not a loud partisan Michigan crowd whatsoever. It was it wasn't all, even noticeable. No, I mean a, a few people walking around with you know their national championship football hats and it's like okay, congratulations, good job. Yeah, this no. is not about you tonight, and you're not trying to take it over. So right. let's go. It was. I mean, it was a partisan, thoroughly partisan Northwestern crowd. And again, it's it's so easy to 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 to, in, to shoulder shrug that and be like, yeah, well, Michigan's not really good. Who cares? As because it's Michigan, right? I remember we were on beer on we were at beer on Central hours before the game, and I'm watching some Wolverine fans stream by outside and being like, yep. here we go, here mm-hmm. we go. It always happens, and that was not the way this game was at all. And it's funny. I remember Scuzz, you even said during and after the game that Michigan built that huge lead. I don't know what it topped out at. Um, sixteen to five. It was sixteen to five at one point, and. I don't think like we were all, we were all, I don't know. There was consternation, but there was no doubt in anyone's mind in that building that we weren't going to climb back up into that game. I mean, I, that's just the way that it was. I mean, that's the truth. I mean, it felt that way. And it's funny. Scuzz mentioned. It, it's it, it's funny though. Cause I thought a lot of what would help us climb, climb back was Michigan not being able to sustain 80% from three. And then and, they and pretty they, much did. They, 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 they pretty did. much did, <laughs> did because they stopped taking threes because we adjusted no defense, but we can get there in a second. I digress. Yeah. You were about to go somewhere else, John. Yeah. Well, I mean, you mentioned the noise, right? And you mentioned, right. Like we put the video up of that unbelievable boo move where he faked the step back and drove in and then found Martinelli. And that blew the lid off of Welsh Ryan. But it is true that there was this weird, and again, like, it's not that Northwestern fans, I don't think, were super worried, but there definitely was the atmosphere in the building that's like, all right, we got to get Boo this bucket because this is just, the team clearly needs to get past this point within the context of this game, right? It's like, we all want to celebrate it, but obviously it's such a huge moment. Everyone's thinking about it. But then once they did it, obviously, again, there was the huge roar in the celebration when he hit the shot. But then the team started to mount the comeback. And while the team was mounting the comeback, that place was bananas. It was absolutely insane. It was so flipping loud. And everyone was like, we got, you know, we got our unbelievable record, our hero, you know, Got where he was trying to go. Now the team can, you know, can just get loose and do what they need to do. And they absolutely did. And I think, you know, Michigan was missing several players. Doug McDaniel, you know, this is the last game of his Michigan imposed can't play road games. So he wasn't there. They had someone else, you know, they had at least one other injury. And this is yeah, not a team that, start, starter who had just, just hurt. I think he's out for the rest of the year. Yeah. yeah. The, the forward the, line players. Right. And this, so this is like a team that, um, you know, is not a good team to begin with. And they were depleted. But all these things lend themselves to, by, you know, early to mid-second half, 
this game was effectively over. And that's so bizarre considering that, again, we were trailing 16-5 at one point in this game. The whole stretch run was just one extended celebration. And it it was it was amazing. But again, right, it was booze night. It was, you know, when he came out and got that layup to open the game, the place went bananas. When he hit that three, the place went bananas. When he put that guy on a poster, the place went bananas. And then there was the whole extended celebration after the game where they formally honored him. And the, the entire, you know, assembled press corps was gathered around him, you know, you know, shooting away while he danced. And it was amazing. Yeah, it was Ultimately, we all got exactly what we wanted, which was a giant celebration befitting this amazing player and this amazing milestone. What was really interesting is, you know, I know before the game we were like, I was wondering what would happen when like when the, when the record was broken. And I, I was paying real close attention. Like, so he he hits that three and there's there's no stoppage uh, immediately. Michigan like comes back and like hits a three right after it. So there wasn't really a chance to like celebrate until the next, uh, next stop, stoppage in play the media timeout. That was that followed right after when they were, they put the graphic up on the, on the board and everyone was like, okay, acknowledged let's now, now let's go. But like, I, I, I wondered if they would stop the game, if they would have a little thing, they didn't, which, you know, is, is cool. And I, I th- probably that's exactly what Boo want. Like Boo didn't want to stop the game and like take the spotlight. Like he, no, let, ab- let's keep ab- going. Absolutely not. He said in one of his post game interviews, like he's like, yeah, I knew when I got it, but I just I was so focused on winning the game. It wasn't until you know, basically until he was about to come out that he was you know he started to realize like what it meant, and, and he, you know he said he started to get emotional toward the end of the game. But I'm so glad that like I don't I don't think it would have been appropriate for them to stop the game and pause. Um, but I will say I was, I, I thought the restraint showed by Northwestern was really good. Cause they, like, I thought they did a great job celebrating this, but I also thought that they didn't overplay it because the focus and the attention as that game went on needed to be on Northwestern winning this game. This was an important game for the cats and the milestone was wonderful. They, they talked it up ahead of time. History is going to be made, et cetera. But like, I think I think in years past, the entire game could have become about the milestone, right? So not just yeah. the the announcement that they did. They could have played the the clip they had from from John Cherna, which clearly had been pre recorded before the game. They they could have, I mean, they could have spent every time out the rest of the game focused on and congratulating Boo, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I'm so glad they didn't do that because it it it, it retained the focus where it needed to be, which is the lofty you know, goals this team has to go to the postseason and make a run. Yeah. I think when that first media timeout happened, the team was all gathering. Like they were like, like Sam said, Michigan had hit that three and then it was the timeout and the teams all gathered huddled. And you saw a couple guys look up at the board because they're being like, all right, this all happened. And, and of course the crowd, they have their moments to, to applaud and everything. But the team was very much like, right, about the business being like, yeah, there's no real time to deal with this. We got a comeback that we have to mount. And then they furiously did that too, right? And again, it's it's so funny because it's it is easy to, but I mean, I think with totally good reason. The team was so tight. They were. And again, all you have to do is look at the the Kalen Clark Nebraska situation, just like we talked about before. These are massive important moments. That guy, you know, it's a just a crazy, weird situation that honestly, not a lot of players even get to experience a moment like that. And it they were tight. 
And once they flushed it out of their system again, it was like they were so determined. And just that you got, again, it, like it was booze night, of course. But Barnheiser was phenomenal in this game. Langborg was phenomenal in this game. Luke Hunger off the bench had a really good game too. Um, and it was just so by the, by the stretch run, Bowie, Langborg, and Barnheiser were absolutely controlling Michigan in the second half of this game. Um, Which is good because Langborg, at the end of the first half, went out. Like He right. oh. looked like he tweaked something. He went, right. to the, he went into the yes. locker room, yep. uh, we were came back, really and, and was fine. Yep. Well, I, t- I, I tell you the other guy that we should call out, and Nick Medline has been all over this uh, on Twitter, and that's Blake Smith. Yeah. Who, came in and played just exceptional defense, um, especially in the second half. You know, Michigan had been torching the basket from three-point in the first half. They were 8 of 10, I believe 8 of 10. Did they hit any more in the uh, – They uh, were eight, eight, of, 8 of 11. 8 of 11 overall, but yeah, but 8 in of the 10 first in the first half. half. 8 of 10 in the first half. They only took one more yeah, three no, the yeah. rest of the way. Yes, because yeah. ba- ba- in the second half, they stopped shooting threes because we adjusted on defense in such spectacular fashion. And Blake, uh, Blake Smith was a big part of that. I mean, first of all, he's – tall for a guard he's got that length and um it's just like the the difference that two games make from when he made his debut um against Rutgers the week after uh after Tiberi went down with injury so like that's that's the sort of like depth and role playing that we need to come through from our bench we talked last week about we still have five guys going absolute balls to the wall for this team, the starting five is phenomenal. We need that support from the bench to come through in these critical moments as critical role players. And yeah, hunger was great. Um, Smith was great. I feel like Mullins got some quality minutes. Um, didn't end up scoring, but but still. So uh, just you know, love to I mean, see that. M- We're Mullen, gonna need more of it. Mullins had the assist to Boo. Oh yeah, he did. Yeah, he did have the assist yeah. to Boo. If, yeah, if if you in fact if you listen to the call, the call the spliced calls off of off of the top of this broadcast. One of the most amazing things is when Booth gives it back to Mullins. Uh, uh, Dave Ennett and Bria Lassick have almost identical calls of that part of the game, which was really cool. Um, but right, he'll he'll always be um, uh, a a part of that record for that reason. It's funny, I think of. Mullins, but especially Smith. And like you said, like he came in and gave incredible effort. Man is Boo a taskmaster with the young guys. I <laughs> he I mean, just watching him out there, he is I mean, it was his night for sure, but man, when Boo is dialed in, um he has expectations um that things will be done at a certain level and in a certain way and his standards do not waver and if he if he perceives um, that someone hasn't done something the right way like he will let them know and i mean again it's like he's lighting a fire under under the young players but yeah again it was it was it's so easy again because the team climbed on the horse after the record so quickly and they were so dominant down the stretch of this game um it really is easy to just forget that this this game had a little bit of a squirrely start. I mean, by and large, this was one giant celebration where everyone in Northwestern Nation came together knowing that this, you know, that this spe- specific moment to celebrate was going to happen in this game. And then they got everything they wanted. They got their specific moment and then they got their extended celebration. And 
let us tell you as three guys who were in and around just about every part of that building, um, the, it was just one big happy place celebrating. Yeah. I mean like, and, and this is the first time the three of us have been to a men's basketball game together, um, in, in the new facility. And it's been several years. I mean, when, when was the last time the three of us were at a men's basketball game together? It's been a, I was trying to long know. time. It's been a game. Yeah, it's been a long time. I don't know if we've ever done it during the the course of the podcast and and through our various like times. And I mean, may, maybe in when we were all in Chicago in 2009 or 2010. But even then, um, those were not, you know. Those were not the Halcyon days. So, um, but it was, yeah, it was, it was so much fun to be there with you guys. And I just I like a shout out and a thank you to everyone who either, you know, welcomed us, came up to say hi, um, got into conversation with us. It was, uh, I know you guys have gotten to experience this much more than I over the past couple of years, but it's just like, it's, it's just a wonderful feeling to be part of this, this Northwestern family and community. Um, and, and to, uh, to see everybody there with the, like this, the same hopes and dreams on their faces, right. For, for, for boo and for this game and, and uh, for this team going forward and to really just all celebrate that as a group, it was, it was an absolute spectacular evening for, for myself, especially getting to, to experience it for the first time. Folks, this is a, this is a special ride and there's two more home games. Um, you know, seats aren't exactly like easy to come by right now, but they're not hard to get either. Um, so, Get to, get to Welsh Ryan. Uh, it, it, there's like I said, there's two more games. There's two more chances to see this team play at home to experience this environment, and it is the com- the camaraderie that you get from your fellow Northwestern fans. Just the fun of being in the atmosphere. Like the other thing I'll say is like if you're wearing purple, you want to walk like walk confidently. You can go visit and chat with anybody in that stadium. <laughs> I'm just gonna leave it. I'm just gonna leave it at that. Well, it's really happy times right now. Like it, like it, everyone is just so thrilled with, with the nature of this year and this team and how much fun it is to root for. And it is like, it is, yes, the team was a little tight and everybody was a little like antsy, you know, leading up to booze scoring. But, but my, my sense of the whole evening was one of just like, we're, we're all just relishing this environment and, and, and relaxing in, in it. And, and it's, it's not a pressure cooker. It's not a, um, a situation where people are, are, you know, like gnawing on their fingernails. It just, it feels so good. It feels like home. And, you know, you mentioned the, the two more games left. Each of those two games are going to be very special in and of themselves. Uh, next Saturday, is going to be the Billy McKinney Jersey retirement. You know, we're, we're, you know, putting number 30 up in the rafters and, uh, that's going to be a really, really special night. Um, try not to equate that with, you know, the special night that, you know, we saw tonight at the United center, raising a Jersey to the rafters, uh, with Chris Chelios. I mean, it, raising the jer- like retiring a Jersey is a huge deal. Well, and, and Northwestern's it, never done it. For exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And then the, the next game is senior night. So like, the the last two games, they're both going to be super important. It's like, you know, Boo Booey's last game at Welsh Ryan Arena is going to be uh, against Minnesota. So, you know, get out there. It's it, it's just amazing. 
Yeah, it truly is amazing, these last three home games and the significance of each one of them. I mean, that that apart from the basketball, which is really important basketball, Northwestern needs to win all these games, that there are these historic moments. And obviously, like the Billy McKinney jersey retirement, like we were saying, like there's Northwestern's never retired a player's number. And this is someone who we've all had the chance to meet Billy McKinney. Um, and I think, Sam, you and I, I think we've met him a couple of times he is the nicest guy. He cares about the program so much. I think we all know that not only is he one of the all-time great Northwestern basketball players, but he's been deeply involved with the program forever and broadcast the games. And I mean, I like when Dave Ennin and Billy McKinney are calling a basketball game, it's just fantastic. It's just everything you want. And I've, again, I think I mentioned earlier, um, in the in the year or maybe a, a couple of weeks ago that I've been in a position for work where I've been listening in my car driving home from work like to a lot of their broadcasts and it's so special they just click so well together the knowledge of the team and of course the knowledge of the history of the team and everything that goes into it it's just it's so perfect and given all of that there's just this special significance to the fact that we're honoring an all-time great, but he's an all-time great who's still so deeply involved with the program that it's just so special. Like, this is someone where we're all, like, we've all just been waiting. Like, you see Billy McKinney at these games, and you're like, oh, man, I can't wait until you get your special moment. And then the other little piece of it, too, um, which is just, like, a really interesting situation, and I wish I had at my fingertips, you know, and if and you guys can let us know if there's another great number 30 I'm thinking about. But there's an another all-timer number 30 for Northwestern basketball is going to be in the building for this jersey retirement. And that's Brian McIntosh. Um, and I think that makes it almost unprecedented in terms of like the kind of significance. Like you're, you're almost never going to have that situation where you have this all-time player, his jerseys being retired. And at the same time, everyone understands that some of the honor of that jersey number is shared by this all-time, by the point guard who led Northwestern to their first NCAA tournament appearance, and that he's going to be in the building also. I mean, how special is that? Like, what what a night that's going to be, you know? Um, what a night for, for both of those guys, but of, but of course, especially for, for Billy McKinney. And again, I think we all only need to look back to last season when they surprised him with the announcement it was being retired and saw his reaction to see how much the Northwestern family means to him. And I'm sure the emotions that are going to be coming out of him, man, I mean, I like who wouldn't want to see that? Yeah. I mean, the, the, the history that, that was made uh, that night, the history will, that will continue to be made, you know, as, as we're getting down the stretch run, um, you know, thinking of all this history, it kind of leads us into our, uh, like the post segment brought to you by Teamworks Media with, with all the history involved because you put something together, uh, you know, some kind of snippets of history that we can look at. Yeah. So I like, you know, I, I hate to, um, in one way I hate to do this, but it's also just like naturally where my brain goes, you know, you break one record and then you kind of wonder what's next. Right. So, uh, I started looking at, and I shared it with you guys and, and, and with Jay, we were batting it around a little bit uh, in the aftermath of, of Thursday night. But, but you know, where Boo Booey now stands on the all-time Big Ten scoring leaders uh, ranking. And as of today, he is number 30 in that ranking. And 
my guess is that he's got a he's got a pretty good I mean like really good shot of getting top 15 and a, a potential to get up into the top 10 although I have just realized there's one really com- confounding factor um, that I'll get to in a second here but um you know he's at he's at 2050 points right now the cats have uh, at least I believe six more games assuming they get one in the big 10 tournament one of the one of the dance if he averages 20 per that's 120 points that would get him up to 2170 which would put him right around 15th uh, or 16th so I think it's pretty good chance the cats have more games than that um and that he could he could inch his way up the other inter- there's one other player active player on this list and at number 18 with 2162 points is Zach Eady I think it's notable that Edie only has 112 more points than Boo. Uh, we've talked about with the Purdue games this year, both of them this year and the game last year, that it, two apex players um, just playing exceptional basketball uh, in, in these three games, going toe-to-toe, matching each other. Obviously, they're not guarding one another, but <laughs> matching each other you know, on either end of the court. It's interesting to see them both kind of in this in this mix. So, um this will be fun. It'll be fun to track uh, a couple of things I dug up like Boo's already the number two all time assist uh, giver at Northwestern. He's not going to come close to Brian McIntosh's record, but uh, he's he's well into second place. I think by the end of the year, he'll end up number two on three pointers as well. He's pretty close to passing um, Sherna and Crawford, who are the two above him. Um, but I, this this Big Ten all time scoring leaders race is going to be fun to watch and you know some of the names that that he could potentially overtake here are, are, are familiar to folks so um especially interesting is number 13 on that list and that's his brother taylor battle yeah so yeah. so we'll see if he can get um what is it 163 more points he will tie his brother that'd be pretty freaking amazing for these two guys to be in the top 15 of uh all-time Big Ten scoring leaders. It would be. What's, what's wild is, you know, the fact that you know, both brothers, Boo and Tyler, are the leading scorers in both Northwestern, well, Northwestern's and Penn State's, respectively, history. So, yep. um, and, you know, obviously Taylor is coaching uh, for Northwestern now, but, like, having the career leaders of two different Big Ten schools playing and coaching in the same place. It's just really cool. It was, it was awesome. Um, I think as long as we're talking about history, I think the let's, let's take us a brief second and let's all collectively. And I mean, all of you listening, let's collectively honor the man boo whose record boo broke, right? This is John Sherna. This is the, I mean, look, the rest of the world can say Steph Curry has the best low-release three-pointer of all time. Um, not Caitlin Clark, notwithstanding, but I think within Northwestern Nation, it will always be John Sherna. And I think he showed up as a freshman, um, and you know we all remember as a freshman, he hitting that game-winning three to beat Ohio State, and then it was just on for there. I mean, you couldn't have designed a more perfect player for Bill Carmody's system. And I think because of his... Maybe his baby-faced demeanor and the the weird release of his three, um, this was not a massively recruited player. And then this was a guy who was just unstoppable um, in, in that system and just in general. 
Um, and what's funny is I think at the time, a lot of people outside of Northwestern Nation were thinking, oh, but this is a guy who like you guys run that Princeton offense and it's this weird system and he just happens to be a fit within that system and it's this weird anomaly and everyone in Northwestern Nation is being like, this guy just rains threes on your head all day and you can't do anything about it. And boy, did John Sherno win the discourse on that because the reason he couldn't be at this game supporting Boo breaking his record is because John Sherna, who set his record in 2012, is playing pro basketball right now at the highest level of Europe. Um, he plays, you know, Gran Canaria in, uh, in Spain, and they're number four in the Spanish league right now. He's playing on that team. Um, and again, like it's, it's amazing. Like he is an all time epic basketball player who's one of the best players Northwestern's ever had. And he's put this unbelievable, illustrious, uh, pro career together. And it's amazing. And, and, you know, just that he's still playing ball even now. And then it gives you, you know, you look at that and you're like, man, um, Boo has had this amazing college career. And yet, you know, that at the pro level, Boo has got, you know, the whole future is just spread out in front of him too. If you or a loved one is seriously injured by someone else's negligence, hire Kent Sinson of the Sinson Law Group. After over a decade prosecuting murder cases in Chicago, Sinson opened his own firm focused on wrongful death and personal injury cases. He specializes in car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and other transportation accidents, as well as construction accidents, medical negligence, slip and falls, product liability, and more. Millions recovered for clients. No fee unless he wins. The Sinson Law Group. Compassion, empathy, and vigorous advocacy. Go to SinsonLawGroup.com or call 312-332-2107 for a free consultation and go Cats. I, I think we, we can probably leave the discussion on where, uh, what Boo's next destination might be for another time. Um, but just, you know, sitting here looking at where Northwestern sits in the conference right now, tied with Wisconsin for third place. Ahead, ahead, in due to the overall um, record, you know, nineteen and eight for Northwestern, eighteen and nine for Wisconsin, uh, one game behind Illinois for second place. Probably not catching Purdue at three and a half games back with four to play. That's okay, but only one game behind Illinois. Could we be looking at back to backs number two seeds in the conference tournament? Dare I say? I mean, crazier things have happened. Um, interestingly, uh, Illinois plays Wisconsin. So um, not that that's like an elimination game, but they, they, they play each other. Wisconsin also plays Purdue. And Illinois also plays Purdue. So those three teams all have to play each other, um, which which makes for some pretty interesting scenarios. And I think it's – I think there's a pretty good shot as long as Northwestern is able to um, pick up an additional road win that uh, they, they hang on to third in the conference, maybe even get up to second. Um, we'll just have to see how that, yeah, all, I think, how that all plays out. Yeah. I think there's also this, I guess we're all obviously like literally we were having discussions before the game of being like recent events have changed certain Northwestern, you know, games from quad one to quad two. And I think every Northwest, you know, Northwestern fans are educating themselves on all of this stuff. I think if you kind of look at the forest through the trees, 
what you would say is if Northwestern continues at the standard they have set for themselves all season and they finish the last four games of the season as they have lived this season up to this point, they along with maybe the top four or five teams in the conference as a group, and I guess I wouldn't I wouldn't consider Purdue in this group, but yeah. if you look at that group as a whole, basically I think the general perception is those teams are all getting in, not with the seeds they wish they would be getting. Um, and I think we looked at Northwestern and saw that even after this record-setting win for Northwestern, based on other things that other teams did, that you know the the great you know grist of college basketball this year on some projections northwestern actually dropped down to a 10 seed in the tournament and obviously we were really mad about that and a lot of people were but i think it's just this is going to be the year where it seems like there are going to be a lot of mid to lower end seeds you know the in terms of like 10s 11s 9s coming out of the big 10 I don't think anyone is sitting here talking about the fact that like only two or three Big Ten teams are getting into the tournament. That has never been what the discourse has been anywhere that you're talking. Now, if you get down to like where that current fringe like bubble within the conference is, like I would put as one point of reference, as Michigan State currently stands, when Northwestern goes to Michigan State, Michigan State really needs to win that basketball game. Like, that's where they're sitting right now. Like, Michigan State is not sitting in a place where they can take a home loss right now and not have to get really nervous. Where's Northwestern sitting? Probably in a situation, like, if Northwestern took, takes, we talked about these two super significant home games coming up. If Northwestern takes care of business in those two home games, that's probably enough to get over the line. Now, is it going to be with, like, a five seed or a six seed that North, you know, that Northwestern fans really like, no, it's going to be a lower seed. Um, but I don't think any Northwestern fan really cares about that. Like it's the big picture. It's the bid. And, you know, again, there's tons of work to be done here, but we have to give the, at the same time, give the cats the respect of being like, this team's handled their business all season long. If they just, execute at that level for these last four games, they're going to do enough to get in. I'm, I just want to caution everybody. Joe Lenardi is quite bad at predicting the NCAA tournament field. And I know this because there is something called the bracket project, which is an effort to look across all, I don't know, 100 and 100, 200 prognosticators out there that are publishing bracket bracketology projections Lenardi's generally like in the bot, like below 150 in terms of his accuracy rate. Um, there's a guy that used to work where I work who's often in the top 20. Um, I and like that's not to say that that this 10 seed thing is wildly out of bounds. When you look across, like the bracket project also publishes become called the bracket matrix, where you can look at every seed or every you know projection for for a particular team. I think the average projection for Northwestern right now is a nine. Um, there are some like Andy Katz that have us as high as a seven, but we're, we're generally between seven and 10, somewhere in that range to your point, John. But I just say that like hemming and hawing over the stuff Joe Lenardi has to say is like, 
not worth anyone's time, energy, or anxiety. So just like do do with that what you will. I would say too, right? Like I think both, you know, like if if Northwestern's a ten seed, there is not a single Northwestern fan going, "Oh God, now we have to play a seven. Literally, no one will think that. We would be like, "Well, a- anyone who is a seven, we'd be like, fine." It. I think every Northwestern well, just, and just remember that eight and nine matches up with the one seed exactly, with the one too, yeah. right? exactly. And that's the thing is like Northwestern fans were we to get a ten would immediately be like, well, we wouldn't be playing a one in round two. So you know, but I mean that that's all background noise too. It's getting in, getting with, in well, is everything. Yeah. Get in, and then if you really want some gravy, my gravy looks like making a deep run in the Big Ten tournament. And somehow netting a six. That's mm. what my gravy looks like. Um, I, that, you know, egg, it would just be a higher, it'd be a higher seed than Northwestern was last year, which would be, you know, kind of cool and progress is tough. I, the Tiberi injury probably makes it untenable. Even if we make a deep run, we'll see. But um, regardless, like to John's point, enjoy the ride. It's, it's the, like getting the bid. That is a hundred percent what matters. And as we as we have seen, you know, ask Florida State how an injury affects people's perception of you as moving forward. I mean, we've been playing really, really well without Ty Berry, and yep. everyone's going to say, "Oh, without Ty Berry, what are you?" And it's like, you know what? It doesn't matter. Right. This, I, don't, right? I don't know that I. I don't I know mean, that I love that analogy, but that's well, fine. well, I mean, well, I mean, I, I think the, With, the point, Florida State did not quote play really, really well. No, 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 no. They, I think that's. I, well, I think that's Sam's point. Unless I'm misunderstanding, I was like that. Like, right, we're not like Florida State. Like, the team has had that chance to really show out and be like, look, like we're like look at the level that we are still performing at here, um, and you know, like this. There are little things. Yes, that's yes. I I, I approve this message. <laughs> like there are there are little things too. Like I mean, it's the kind of thing where, like like we were saying, we know Michigan's down right now, but never like don't let the moment when it was like a a group of raucous Northwestern fans were completely drowning out Michigan fans at a Northwestern Michigan event. Well, Northwestern's got a chance to sweep Maryland this week, right? And it's like, that's, it's Maryland. Maryland's won a national title in our lifetimes and is a, you know, perennial basketball powerhouse. And are they down right now? Yes. But it's still a chance to to get a sweep and to pick up a road win like that would be a massive opportunity. So, you know, I think we're all tending to look and be like, all right, what does Northwestern need to do? Well, Northwestern could take a massive step in the right direction by going um, to Maryland and picking up a win. So yeah, Maryland on Wednesday, uh, Iowa on Saturday, and then the final week's games at Michigan State and home against Minnesota. So, and then we'll see we'll see where uh, where the wins take us to the Big Ten tournament and uh, go from there. Have you ever thought about building a Westlaw Pirates-like community for your business? If so, we've got your solution. Teamworks Media, a brand marketing and content company, is here to help you tell your brand story better. Better yet, you can work directly with the founder, Jay Sharman, known on this podcast as Like the Posts. The same expertise he's brought to brands like ESPN, the Big Ten Conference, and Northwestern University are now available to you in an affordable way, directly with this Wildcat Superfan. Contact Jay directly at 312 
446-9435 or j at teamworksmedia.com to learn how to elevate your brand story. Basketball is not the only thing that happened at Northwestern uh, this past weekend. Uh, we had the softball team at the Mary Nutter Classic. Uh, we also had lacrosse making their way to my hometown to take on Colorado. Uh, where shall we begin, gentlemen? <clears throat> I guess lax. I mean, they're... Colorado, as as we were talking before, I mean the there are not a lot of great teams out west, right? Like lacrosse, as we know, lacrosse lives on the eastern seaboard, and most most importantly, um, on the shores of Lake Michigan at Northwestern, right? But Colorado's a good team. They were number twenty and undefeated, um, and and hosting Northwestern in weird weather, right? I mean, they were snow capped mountains out there right now and it was kind of to see the team having played inside Ryan Fieldhouse for um a couple of games and then suddenly they're outside you know in front of snow-capped mountains was was a pretty wild experience but honestly like they were was it a perfect game no they turned it over more than Colorado did but um Scuzz of course has been on this like draw controls and the importance of this they dominated draw controls against Colorado and I think on the strength of that and of course the individual excellence that we're all used to from this team. Um, they want to shoot out against a very good Colorado team. Well, and I, I um, realized this as I was on the Metro on my way up to Evanston to watch Boo Booey potentially set some history that one Izzy Skane is now on 301 career goals and she is 57 goals away from tying Charlotte North's career, like the career record in women's lacrosse of 358. And I will just note here for posterity's sake that last year is he's, I think on 13 goals thus far this season. And last year she scored a total of 99. So plan your spring accordingly, accordingly folks. Yep. And you know, this was too, Izzy was awesome in this game. Like you were saying, poured in goals, <clears throat> Madison Taylor was incandescent in this game. Um, she had six goals, which is her career high, um, was absolutely on fire. And it's a reminder that, again, this is a second-year player. And this is a player who's going to be in the best player in the country conversation for the next couple of years, you know, when this unbelievable class of players that we're so used to finally moves on. Um Maddie, Maddie Taylor is going to be in the conversation for the very best in the country in that world. And I mean, she's already there right now. And, and again, it's like, this was a game where the kind, I think the kind of game we're used to from this team where they play a really good team and they get a really good game from that team. And they just have a level of higher of firepower that goes beyond that, which up until the last waning minutes of that Notre Dame game was exactly how we thought Notre Dame was going to play out. So um, this, this kind of performance is exactly what we expect from this team and hopefully bodes well for, you know, for the rest of the season going forward. Uh, speaking of the rest of the season going forward, uh, Thursday afternoon, uh, three o'clock central at Boston college uh, games on ESPN news. So if you're able to, to tune in, put a, you know, ESPNU window on one corner of your monitor at work or uh, find your way to ESPNU to, to watch this game. Uh, it'll be it'll be a good one. I mean, Boston College is no joke either. So 
Uh, you know, lacrosse definitely has their work cut out for it. Turning our attention to softball. Uh, hey, real, real quick yeah. before you get softball, Sammy, I just want to, like, I, I don't think we're going to spend a ton of time on it, but it's worth noting that um, for the women's basketball team, which, you know, has has had a really tough, tough season, um, lost to Michigan over the weekend, they do have senior night uh, in two days' time on Tuesday night. So if, you know, if you're, if you're in the vicinity and want to, um, come out and support the, support that team, um, as they get to senior night, it's, you know, it's been a, it's been a hard year for them, but, um, they, uh, have certainly given us a lot of joy, uh, over the, in, in recent seasons. So absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah, great point. And, uh, you know, Paige Mott senior, uh, be the last chance to watch her play. Um, so, you know, head out there. You know, it's all, it's always a good time. Um, to the Mary Nutter classic out in, uh, Southern California, Northwestern took on UCLA, uh, Loyola Marymount, San Diego, and Oregon state. Um, first two games, a little rough, uh, very low scoring affairs. Cats got shut out both times, one, nothing to UCLA, two, nothing to Loyola Marymount. Um, the bats came alive a little bit against San Diego, uh, with a nine to eight win and then, uh, finishing it off, uh, tonight or this afternoon, um, Oregon state, uh, shut them out for nothing, uh, with getting, oh, so close to, uh, to a no hitter. Yeah. This was a weird weekend, man. I mean, it started off with that absolute pitcher's deal duel against UCLA where the cats couldn't generate a run, but Ashley Miller pitches this absolute gem, right? I think she was like a three hitter or a four hitter, gave up one run against obviously a phenomenal UCLA team. And then yeah, you're I was, like, I was going to say against UCLA, yeah. like they're not like ranked number two in the country right now or something because they have, they've lost to like two of the top three teams, but still like, I, I like that was a, um, it's a heck of an outing. Yeah. And then, um, and then two games that, you know, were not what we were expecting. And I think we would all be comfortable saying not up to the standards of this softball team. I mean, Northwestern was shut out to nothing, um, by a pretty bad loyal Marymount team. And then, um, a game that really, I mean, credit to Ashley Miller for stepping up and getting it done late, but uh, a win against a 2-10 and ten San Diego team that Northwestern was very fortunate to win. Um, they gave up 16 hits in this game, I think across four pitchers, um, and were took a 9-4 lead into the bottom of the seventh, or the top of the seventh, gave up four runs, and I want to say the bases were loaded and Ashley Miller worked herself out of a bases loaded jam um, and Northwestern escaped with that 9-8 win. So even then you're being like, boy, oh boy, what has this weekend become? Thank goodness we took a win out of that. And then as they so often do, you know, suddenly Northwestern turns around and puts together an epic game, right? A game where, again, four runs against Oregon State is awesome, but Ashley Miller just... I mean, this is the same weekend she puts together this unbelievable pitching performance against UCLA. She takes a no-hitter into the bottom of the seventh um, and ends up with a with a one-hit absolute gem of a game that, again, I like really gives 
the Cats something positive to take out of what was otherwise a, a pretty shaky tournament. Well, it's worth calling back just in case anybody missed it. Like the weekend prior, they put 12 up on LSU, who's in the mm-hmm. top 10, and they put 19 on Georgia Tech. So this was a pretty surprising um, step back for the offense this past weekend. And, you know, they're, they're going to get a pretty decent Auburn team and then North Texas and uh, USC Upstate in the um, – I don't know what the tournament is next weekend, but it's some tournament. It's just not – the name is just not listed here on their I schedule. I think it's just a tournament at, in Auburn, Alabama. So Okay. The um, Auburn tournament. Um, <laughs> there you go. As it, as it were. One eagle? One thing I would say, right, in a, in a weekend where, right, you can look and be like, this was not an offensive display and certainly not on the par with how um, the Cats finished the weekend before – one player who stood out was Bridget Donahue. Um, hit home runs in each of the last two games at the Mary Nutter. And this is someone who, again, this is a young player who Northwestern has really high expectations for, um, who is very much a part of the the bottom half of the lineup that Northwestern is looking to, you know, find major contributions from. Again, we all feel really confident about those top four hitters. Um and then we've talked about Riley Grudzelanek stepping up as like a big weapon down the down the lineup. And if Bridge Donahue can continue to generate power like this, that is another huge piece also. So um, again, it's like ultimately these are tough tournaments against tough teams. And again, like this tur- this particular tournament definitely could have gotten better. But ultimately getting to the Big Ten tournament and, I mean, getting to the Big Ten season and having all of these things squared away and knowing where the runs are going to come from and Coach Drohan having, you know, the right lineup and the right pitching rotation and everything she feels comfortable with that can take the Cats through the Big Ten schedule um, is the most important thing. And they're they're on their way to figuring those things out. Looking ahead a little bit, I, I mean, we talked about uh, this upcoming weekend's uh, games in Auburn. I'm noticing uh, the following weekend, um, they're playing in Columbia, South Carolina. Uh, they got a game against NC State, a game against Boston University, and a game against Minnesota. Do we have any idea if that Minnesota game is counted as a conference game? Oh, that's interesting. I bet it's not, but I don't. Yeah, I would. I would assume the same. Yeah that that would make yeah that would make sense to me as well. It's not doesn't have that big little Big Ten logo on it. Like if you scrolled a little bit further down the schedule, you know, the conference games are definitely noted as Big Ten games. But that's kind of weird that you get a conference game in an, or like a, a conference opponent in a non-conference game setting. Um, yeah, I odd. mean, it's, it's two teams that very likely, right, They if they see each other again, it would be in the Big Ten tournament, right? So... And those we know those are two Minnesota is always a strong softball team too, and those are probably two teams that right have their eye on each other eventually um, down the road. If they're going to meet, they'll meet in the tournament. Um, so yeah, it's definitely very interesting. Anything else we need to uh, mention before we get out of here tonight? I mean, once again, major major shout out to Boo Booey. Uh, congratulations on uh, the all time scoring record. Uh, just a remarkable, incredible achievement. I'll just say thanks again to uh, to y'all and to uh, everybody who joined us or, or came up and said hi or chatted with us, um, entertained our questions. Uh, 
last Thursday night. I had it. I had an absolute ball. It was, um, it was, the, it was totally the shit. I, it, it, I had so much fun and, um, the atmosphere and the game and the record, uh, added to what would have been a fantastic night even without that. So just, you know, shout out to the NU community. It's, you know, in large part, it's why I do this podcast still after 13 years is just how much enjoyment I get talking to you guys and, and, you know, um, being part of this stuff. So cheers y'all. Yeah, it was, it was an absolutely fantastic night. And right. That again, that the three of us were all together to experience it and, and that we talked with everyone, you know, that, that we talked to as a group, of course, was super special. One thing I did want to mention, one other sport we rarely talk oh, about, yeah. but it is a sport near and dear to the Westlot Pirates family uh, because my wife uh, was a, as we were reminded today, um, Northwestern All-America, but was one of the first two um, Northwestern Sabre All-Americans in, uh, in Northwestern fencing, one of the first two uh, female Sabre All-Americans ever. And bring that up because the powerhouse Northwestern fencing team um, played this weekend in the Central Collegiate Fencing Conference championships and absolutely dominated. Um, The team were the champions of the conference. um, And Karen Wang was the the Central Collegiate Fencing Conference EPE champion. And my wife, who again, her discipline was Sabre, to say they dominated in Sabre this weekend would be an understatement. Um, this team had the first place winner, Adele, and it's either is it it's either Boyce or Bois, if it's pronounced French. Um, uh, Adele Boyce. Um, second, Sky Miller. And third, Levi Hugendorn. So it was absolutely uh, a dominant performance. Man, now I'm like pausing and I'm like, God, I wish I knew the pronunciation of these names. <laughs> I'm like, I have no idea how I'm going to get eh, whatever. Yeah, it's, fine. For it. it's fine. It's um, fine. Uh, so first, second, and third place finishing um, at the conference championships in Sabre. So it was an absolutely dominant weekend for the Northwestern uh, fencing team. And now they will move on to nationals and see how much damage they can do at the national level. Um. Yeah, I, I think that'll just about wrap it up for tonight. I head to our website, westlawpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Westlaw Pirates, and email the show, westlawpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics, and look for us in the West Lot of Ryan Field flying the red pirate flag, because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John Lacombe and Eric Scousboy, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.